Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1186 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on today's episode. At the very top of the podcast, I have to go ahead and plug. And I know I'm doing this a lot right now, but I apologize. But it has to be done. We are now on YouTube on this same podcast. The Lockdown Hawks podcast has its own YouTube channel. You can find the link in your podcast descriptions or on my Twitter page. But that definitely helps us. You're not a huge video podcast watcher. That subscription really helps us as well as your subscriptions to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And again, thank you for listening to the podcast today. We'll dive into the game in a moment because this is going to be entirely focused on that game for the most part. But the Hawks go into Chicago and lose by a final score of 112 to 108 on this Thursday evening. A very winnable game for the Hawks and honestly a pretty big game given the standings. Their fifth loss in eight games. And that's not exactly great timing, given where the Hawks are in the standings right now. They had a dreadful start in this game. They fought back pretty valiantly from there. They trailed again by eight points with five minutes to go, but then had this furious run at the end. Took a three-point lead with about 90 seconds to go and then never scored again. It was pretty ugly down the stretch. We'll get into all of that later on in the podcast. But a frustrating loss for the Hawks, to be sure. One that, in a vacuum, does not kill you. You know, you're supposed to lose this game, quote-unquote. They were underdogs in this spot. But a game that pretty much had to be won for the Hawks, given where they are on the standings. And we'll come back to that later on in the podcast. So um, getting into the context for this one, obviously full rest in the first game after the All-Star break. Um, some interesting preparations. The Hawks had two practices before they went to Chicago. Keep that in mind as well. The Bulls, though, have been red hot. They actually have won six games in a row now with this win, with this win over the Hawks. They're number one in the East at this point in time. I will say that Chicago is not quite the quality of a typical number one overall team in my mind in the East because of the injuries that they've had right now. They're missing some key guys from Lonzo Ball to Alex Caruso, et cetera. But still, a team that is very valiant and playing at home in this game. The Hawks were without John Collins. Again, he was listed as doubtful for this contest. If you missed it earlier this week, I've actually talked to Ben Ladner twice as well as Glenn Willis in a roundtable discussion that's all still on the podcast feed. But the real intrigue in the last couple of days has been the John Collins status. He's still out with his right foot strain. He missed the last three games before the All-Star break. And by all accounts, in terms of what Nate McMillan's been saying, he's not even been running yet in practices. So he's listed as doubtful in this game. That seemed optimistic to me. It might honestly just probably should have just ruled him out, honestly, coming into this game. But I'm not sure he really had ever had a chance. He was on the bench. He was in Chicago. So that's pretty encouraging in itself. But uh, didn't seem to be particularly close to playing in this game. Uh, Gorgie Jang also missed this contest for the Hawks with, for personal reasons. He's not been around the team since the break. I'm not really sure beyond that in terms of updates. Lou Williams was on the injury report with left hamstring tension as questionable midday on Thursday, but ended up playing in his normal role in this spot. And our friends at Bet Online actually had the Hawks as about three point underdogs in this game. It was actually about four or four and a half in the morning, got all the way down to three by tip off. And basically landed almost right there because, of course, the Bulls won this game by four points. So I guess the projection was right on brand there for our friends there at Bet Online. So we'll get into this game now in terms of the nuts and bolts of what transpired. And really, the early going was a black eye for the Hawks, a 10-0 run by the Bulls right out of the gate. The Hawks didn't score their first five trips, including 0-4 shooting and two turnovers that were pretty ugly. The Bulls had 10 points in the paint right away. 
defensively, it was pretty hideous, as well as the offense is what usually gets the attention there when you don't score. But defensively, it was pretty bad at the, at the outset as well. They called timeout, and they were better after that. But that 10-0 hole did kind of uh, leave them scrambling for a lot of this contest. DeMar DeRozan was the hero of the night for Chicago, and that began very quickly. He had 12 points in the first five minutes or so. And the Hawks offensively were 4 of 18 from the floor with four turnovers in the first nine minutes. And honestly, I circled that because the Hawks were only down nine after nine minutes. And they were pretty fortunate to be down by nine, in my mind. The Bulls missed some good looks. Um, the Hawks were kicking around the yard for the most part. And uh, they were kind of, uh, I would say, bailed out in that instance. It could have been, been pretty ugly at the outset of this game. Uh, rotationally, it's been very similar for the Hawks for a long time now. Basically, since Bogdanovich came back from injury on January 26th, which is basically a month at this stage, the Hawks have only used their 10 guys in the rotation unless they had uh, another like weird circumstances. So even along that time, they've had like one guy out at a time. And they've managed to kind of play with nine. And in, in the first half of this game, it was the same. Uh, they used John Ray Hunter as the backup four, and they were not going to go any deeper into the rotation. Now, later on in this contest, Hunter had to leave the game at halftime with some illness issues. No further update there, but they had to go to Kevin Knox in the second half. But it was clear in the first half they were going to go with nine guys again. They had, even with Hunter having some early foul trouble, they went back to Gallo. Um, they went to DeLon Wright alongside Trey Young. Uh, he even played some Lou and Trey lineups in this game. So just some housekeeping there, but no real changes to the rotation coming out of the All-Star break. Um, there was an 11-2 run, though, by the Hawks, their first push of the night to get back within one late in the first quarter. But overall, in that first period, it was pretty ugly. 6-23 from the floor. Oh, of, Sorry, yeah, from the floor. 0-4 oh, from three. Five turnovers in the first quarter and only two assists. That's a bad ratio. I want to get to the line for 7-7, seven of seven, but that was kind of the only thing that was keeping them alive offensively. And the Bulls going 1-9 of nine from three definitely helped the Hawks in that first period as well. But DeRozan had 16 points. Defensively, I think the Hawks were better late in the quarter and really for most of the game after that, but the damage was kind of done in some respects. DeRozan had 10, actually had 20 of the first 30 for Chicago in this game. Uh, Hunter, let's just say, struggled in the first half before he was forced to lead the game. We'll come back to that later on. But the Bulls were pushing their lead up a little bit. Nick called timeout early in the second quarter. They were playing a lineup actually for about half a minute. It wasn't very long, but with Lou Williams, DeLon Wright, Kevin Herter, and Bogdan Bogdanovich on the court together. So four guards basically with a Kongwu. And um, they actually played a Kongwu longer than usual, which I thought was probably the right decision. Um, he played pretty well in that stint in the first half, but the Bulls pushed it back up to 11. The Hawks did answer from there a little bit, but they, uh, you know, Hunter got his third foul and basically a nightmare half all the way around for him. He had three fouls in pretty short order, and DeRozan was really sort of teeing off on Hunter in one on one situations. They sort of chipped away a little bit late in the half and got into the halftime break down only by two points, which was actually a huge breakthrough. The best stretch of the day for Trey Young happened late in the first half, a couple of lobs to Capella, drawing the attention, lobbing it up to Capella, who, who finished, well, finished well around the rim by his standards in this game. And the Hawks used the offensive glass to their uh, strength in this spot. Also had 11, 11 assists in the second quarter alone, which is uh, pretty wild because the Hawks only had 20 assists in the game. So 11 of them came in the second quarter. That was their best offensive quarter of the contest. But in the first half, there was not a lot going well for Atlanta, let's just say, offensively. They scored less than a point per possession in the first half. against a pretty below average Bulls defense. Um, they did stop turning the ball over, which was a positive, but the shooting was pretty bad the entire game, honestly. And Trey was shaky the entire game. McDonough was good. And then defensively, again, the numbers looked fine in the first half because of uh, the way they played the second quarter. They actually held the Bulls to exactly one point per possession in the first half, which you have to take if you're the Hawks. Um, eight turnovers they forced before halftime. I thought defensively they were much better after the opening minutes of this contest. And uh, honestly, they had some success with Hunter 
off the court, which you would not necessarily expect defensively, but they kind of funneled their help better, I thought, defensively with him off the floor, uh, less like you know one on one. Like Hunter's the only guy that they trust to guard a guy like DeRozan in space one on one. I think they kind of uh, played more together when Hunter was off the floor and uh, at least defensively in that first half. And Capella had double double by halftime. So after all that, the Hawks get into the halftime break down only by two, and that felt very very fortunate in my mind, just because they did not play well at all in the first half in my mind. And they should have been down probably 10, maybe more than that in the, at halftime, but they managed to sort of weather the storm. And that gave some optimism, I would say, going into halftime. We'll get into all of that stuff in a second, but obviously the rest of the game did not go um, according to plan necessarily, but it was still pretty close and competitive and back and forth the rest of the way. But before we get to all of that, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam. It's out to get you. Do not let corporations pocket your money out of their own greed. Instead, download Truebill and take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want, don't need, or even forgot about entirely. On, on average, people save up to $720 per year using Truebill. Truebill makes things incredibly simple when it comes to canceling subscriptions, and that is important because companies can make it very hard to cancel on purpose. Just link your account to Truebill will cancel those unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. As someone who manages a ton of subscriptions, quite honestly, in the sporting space and coming up with all the news that I, that's coming in my way, I can tell you that Truebill is awesome and I highly recommend it. It has more than true 2 million users and Truebill has helped people save more than $100 million in total. Do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA and could save you thousands each and every year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. I also want to tell you about Rock Auto on today's show. With so many makes and models in the, in the auto world these days, it's now impossible for your local joint chance store to stock all the car and truck parts that you need. Do you really want to endure pointless questioning, wait for the person behind the counter to look up all the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? I would say not. And instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, and that's a much better option. Why spend up to 50% more on the same parts for, from a chain store or dealership when you can order them at rockauto.com? And it's very, very easy. Rockauto.com is a family business serving us customers for more than 20 years. And Rockauto's prices are reliably low for each and every customer. They have absolutely everything you need for your car or your truck, including brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet. Check out the website right now at rockauto.com today. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in the box that asks you how you heard about rockauto.com so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So we'll dive in now to the second half of this contest. And, you know, it was clearly not perfect, but, you know, overall they played better, I thought, after halftime than they did before halftime, but so did the Bulls in some respects. They started Bogdanovich after the halftime break. We didn't know why. Obviously, you know, Bogdanovich had been playing very well, but it started him in Hunter's place, and that seemed like a, something that Nate Mullen was not going to just do willingly. Hunter had three fouls in the first half, but it was like he had four or five at halftime. So not the usual thing there, but then it was clear that he wasn't on the bench coming out of the halftime break. And then within a few minutes, the Hawks announced that it was an illness and that he wouldn't return to the game. That's all we know right now. No specifics on that whatsoever. McMillan's not going to be uh, huge in like distributing information after the game, but we'll see how that affects him into Saturday. But the Hawks played shorthanded in the second half and they ended up playing Knox, as I mentioned before, um, the Bulls found their stroke from three-point range early in the second half. They had a th trio of threes in the first couple of minutes, uh, sort of outdoing their, their output for the entire first half from three-point range. The Hawks had a couple chances to tie the game, actually, and they finally took the lead. The first time in the entire game, about six and a half minutes to go in the third quarter with Kevin Herter knocking down a three-pointer. Um, of course, it didn't last too long. It was kind of back and forth for us at that point forward. I will say they 
they had to play Knox in my mind. At least they had to play somebody in my mind because, you know, a lot of teams can play eight guys in a half, and the Hawks could do that too, honestly. But the one spot they couldn't afford was someone who played the four because with Collins out, Hunter is the backup four. And, yes, they could have played small against the Bulls, but I thought that, you know, realistically, Gallinari couldn't play the entire half, and they probably didn't want to go super small with Bogdanovich playing the four a lot in the second half. So they, they used Knox. I know Hawks fans want Jalen Johnson. I totally get that. It's been talked about forever. But I thought Knox was pretty okay in his stretch. Now, offensively, he doesn't give you much of anything, to be honest with you. But he actually had a nice drive and finish at the rim, which was good to see from him. And then defensively, I thought he did his job. It wasn't fantastic, but I thought he was uh, generally fine, which was all they needed to have in that spot. He didn't play a ton, but he gave Gallo enough of a break to uh, have him play the rest of the way. Um, they actually used a Trey Lou lineup for a while that I don't love, but I think they probably wanted to play Bogdanovich and Herder together a little bit more. It was back and forth really the entire way in the third quarter. And then kind of fittingly on that back and forth ethos, Bogdanovich had a three. That was a nice shot, actually. A step back three for the tie at the end of the quarter. So Bucs ended up winning the third quarter. Both teams shot five of 10 from three. Uh, so 10 of 20 overall in the quarter. And there's only one turnover total on both sides in the third quarter. So it was a much more clean quarter of basketball, much more aesthetically pleasing, let's just say, in the third. Uh, in the fourth, uh, same sort of thing. Lots of back and forth, back and forth. I mentioned the Knox driving bucket earlier. Dallon Wright had a nice uh, turnover that he created about half at half court. But Donovich was really cooking. He had 24 points with 10 minutes to go in this game. But the Bulls had a nice little like, mini flurry of their own. Lots of lead changes going back and forth. The worst stretch for the Hawks, until the very end anyway, was between two timeouts mid-quarter. So the Hawks were down two with about seven and a half minutes to go in the game. They called timeout, went back to the star- starters, plus Bogdanovich, so basically the starters from the second half. And then they had a disastrous like 90-second stretch where they missed three shots in a row. One of them was a really bad pull-up by Trey Young, who was really cold in this game. And the Bulls scored three straight times. So the Hawks, lead- the Hawks deficit, I should say, went from two up to eight with like five and a half minutes to go, and they called timeout again. It was a 14-4 to overall run by the Bulls at that point in time. They traded some buckets, but the Hawks did trail by eight with like five-ish minutes to go in this game. So if you only stop it there, the Hawks are underdogs, obviously. Now, what happened the next four minutes was very positive for the Hawks, and they kind of gave it back at the end. McDonough had a huge three coming out of that break, um, to sort of stop the bleeding a little bit, and then Gallinari scored six straight points for the Hawks to give them the lead with 240 to go. So Gallo and Bogey were really carrying things for the Hawks offensively at times. Um, they fouled DeRozan. He, he sort of splits those. Trey then missed, but Capella bailed him out with a rebound and dunk for the lead again. So at that point, they got a nice gift from Zach Levine, who actually missed the layup that he usually makes. And then Vucevic fouled Gallinari on the rebound. Gallo only only uh, split the free throws, but the Hawks were still up by three with like 135 left. Then after a loose ball, um, Trey probably could have, could have grabbed it, honestly, but it ended up going out of bounds. They called it a jump ball in real time, which is kind of a weird sequence overall, let's just say. But McMillan smartly ended up challenging the call, winning the challenge. The Hawks got the ball then. So they have the ball up by three with 135 to go. That's a commanding position. Now, it's not like a 100% win probability or even 90%, but I think if you just do the math there, especially with the Hawks' offense, up three with the ball. 90 seconds to go. You are a big favorite to win at that point. Obviously, that did not hold. So they had a pretty bad possession. Uh, ended up kind of being really stagnant. Trey had a uh, pretty ugly step back that he kind of missed. A shot that he could make, but one that he was not making in this game, let's just say. But then the Hawks got off the rebound. And then, so at, least, at the very least, they wasted a bunch of time. So they kind of had two possessions in one. 
And the second one was also pretty bad. Trey ended up slipping late in the shot clock and falling to the ground. Um, ended up going to Bogdanovich, who took a shot because he had to at the shot clock buzzer, and uh, it airballed. So all that, they wasted 40 seconds, 45 seconds on the, on the clock, which is there's some positive in there, but it wasn't exactly flawless, let's just say. So an empty trip there in DeRozan. It's a mid-ranger. Some not great defense, but not the worst shot in the world, but he made it. Hawks still up by one, though, with under a minute to go. Uh, Trey then tries to drive, misses. I thought he might have been fouled, honestly, but it wasn't called in that spot. And then DeRozan comes down, and he's been ridiculous this year. I've never been the biggest DeRozan guy, but he's been awesome this season, let's just say. Um, but he hits a, another jump shot plus the foul with 15 seconds to go. So all that was very bad. He makes the free throw, and suddenly the Hawks go from up three to down by two. Uh, in short order, let's just say. So after a timeout, they called the play for Bogdanovich, which Trey Young, um, I guess, said on the record after the game. Um, they got him switched on to Vucevic, which is probably pretty good in terms of situations, but he kind of took a while to go. I'm not sure if that was the plan to kind of go slowly like that, but it was not It was not the most organized possession in the world. Still a shot that Bogey makes sometimes. is a pretty decent shot, but Vucevic is a long guy. He's not great defensively, but given that he only had to contest a jump shot, not his worst defensive possession by any means. He misses it. They had the foul. The Bulls made both free throws, and it was basically over at that point in time. So long story short, the offensive process at the end of this game was very, very bad for the Hawks, um, especially when you kind of watch the tape back, and I have about the crunch time. You know, it was Bogdanovich and especially Gallinari in the fourth that really had it going, and then it gets into kind of a Trey Young hero ball mode. And I think if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, you may not know this, but I'll just say it as a refresher. I think Trey's been incredible this season. I thought with Ben Ladner this week about Trey's All-NBA case. I think he's an All-NBA player this season. This is not me picking on Trey, but number one, he was quite bad in the entire game. And he was really, really bad late in this contest. And I get it. He's their best player. He's their number one shot creator. I understand all of that stuff. But he clearly didn't have it in this game. And then he took three, at least in the last three minutes or so, bad shots, plus one he almost got fouled on for sure, but missed. And he was 0-5 from the floor in the fourth quarter. Was it only him that lost the game? No, definitely not. Um, but at the same time, if he plays well, they probably won the game. And he, you know, to his credit and being a leader and being the face of the franchise, he said after the game multiple times that he let his, he let his teammates down in his mind, which I'm not going to you know, say otherwise. But I think, he, I think he was not good. He owned up to that after the game. But if you watch the end of it, it's definitely understandable to be frustrated because the process was just not great from top to bottom. I'm not sure how much of that's on Nate. I'm not sure how much of that's on Trey. But having him kind of be on an island, taking some bad shots and having some uh, stacking possessions was not ideal, let's just say. From there, we can get into uh, what transpired on, on some takeaways here. Um, you know, for the game, offensively, the Hawks were <laughs> – I would say above average in the last three quarters, but not good in the first quarter, obviously. Ended up with a 108 offensive rating, which is well below their average. But if you go second in the fourth quarter only, it'd be above their average. So kind of meet in the middle there. Um, not a disaster offensively, but not very good either. They only had 50% true shooting in the game, which is way below their norm. And a lots of weirdness here. So they didn't shoot well from the floor or from three, which goes without saying if you watch the game. But they were 18 of 27 from the line. Now, that's not good, but... It's not terrible if you have guys going to the line that are not good, not good at the line. Like, if that's Capella and Okongwu missing seven of the nine times, it's understandable. But the Hawks had a weirdly bad night at the line from guys who usually make shots. So seven of the nine misses came from Trey Young, Danilo Gallinari, and Mugdan Badanovich. Those guys don't miss free throws. Those guys are really, really good. Particularly Gallinari and Young are two of the guys that are probably the best in the league 
at the line. And those are important points. Now, you know, what are you going to do? That happens sometimes, but uh, some bad variance there. They only had 10 turnovers in the game, which is crazy if you watch the first quarter because they were not taking care of the ball at all, at all early in the game. But it's, it's a reminder that the Hawks are elite, like number one in the league elite in ball security. And that sort of manifested itself later in the game. They also, on the bright side, on the offensive side of, of the floor, dominated the glass. They actually had 13 more shot attempts from the floor in this game than the Bulls did and the same amount of free throw attempts. So basically, they had 13 extra shots because they dominated the offensive glass. It's kind of hard to lose when you do that, but the Hawks did not shoot the ball well, as we talked about a second ago. But all the peripheral stuff was good. I mean, if you just look at turnovers and offensive rebounds and free throw attempts, the Hawks did a great job. It's just that their shooting, which is normally a strength, let them down offensively in this game. Defensively, kind of the same story in reverse. You know, the Hawks, I thought, were pretty good defensively for most of the night. They were really bad in the first, like, seven minutes of this game. And then, then DeRozan gets gets loose late, and I totally understand that. You know, he's a, he's been making huge shots all season long. And there were some execution issues. If you watch those possessions back, it was not great. But they end up with about a 114 defensive rating in this game. That's not, that's not good, obviously, but it's basically average for them this season. And if you take out the first few minutes – it would have been better than that. So I'm not going to tell you the Hawks were good defensively, but the Bulls are good offensively. That's for sure. You lose Hunter in the middle of the game, all that stuff. So I think it was like a subpar defensive performance, but not a bad one necessarily. And they were, I would say they were genuinely good for most of the last three quarters defensively. But the Bulls outshot the Hawks from two-point range and at the free throw line in terms of accuracy. The Hawks did a good job on the, on the defensive glass, which kind of, again, led to that um, huge shot attempt disparity. And the Bulls had 16 assists in the game, which is usually a great sign for you. But at the end of all that, the Hawks did not have quite enough to uh, withstand the barrage. So we'll come back to some uh, player stuff in a moment. But just broadly speaking, it wasn't like an offensive loss or defensive loss. They played okay on both ends of the floor, not great enough. And again, in a vacuum, losing to the Bulls by four points on the road, not a disaster. But when you factor in the situation and the Hawks' urgency level and the way that they, that they were leading this game – in the last minute, it takes a, a lot less of a, a positive turn, let's just say, as we emerge from this contest. All right, we'll get back to the individual player evaluations and more on the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors. March is almost here, and honestly, it's that time of the year when I've usually given up on almost all of my New Year's resolutions. But this year, I'm sticking to one of them, and that's to eat right with a hat tip to Bill Bar. Honestly, it feels like it's not really a resolution at all because I actually enjoy eating Bilt Bars. When they're protein-infused puff bars, they're fantastic for all the other band favorites from Bilt Bar. Each and every Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate, which can make a huge difference, and it, they all taste fantastic. On top of the taste, too, Built Bar is low-calorie and high-protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve the nutrition value of your snacks. If you go to Built.com, you check out the nutrition page. You'll be blown away by that. Most Built Bars only have 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a low-calorie count. That's obviously fantastic. And in terms of flavors... Some of my favorites are still there, coconut almond, mint brownie, and a new flavor this month in white chocolate cookies and cream that is absolutely fantastic. Each flavor is delicious, and they have new flavors coming all the time. And the best way to find out everything else about Built Bar is to go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, that's promo code LOCKED15, you'll have 15% off on your order with Built Bar. That's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, we'll dive into the player evaluations now. On the podcast, if you're new to the show or if you're watching on YouTube for the first time, and again, please subscribe on the YouTube channel. That really helps us out a lot, I am told. Uh, what we do is go through all the players that appear in the rotation and talk about how they performed, at least on some level, in the game. We'll start with the bench in this spot. Uh, I mentioned Kevin Knox before. Six minutes, 
Didn't do a ton. Had the one driving layup. Nothing else to speak speak of in, in this, on the stat sheet. But I, I think just did his job. I don't know if Hunter will play on Saturday, but if he doesn't play, I'll be very interested to see how the Hawks treat the rotation because it's very clear that Nate trusts ten guys. Uh, Knox is maybe number eleven on that list right now, and uh, I thought he was okay at least in, in this game. Lou Williams was pretty bad. Uh, two points on six shot attempts. It's hard for Lou to return value if he's going to shoot one for six from the floor because defensively he doesn't give you really anything at all, obviously. So we'll leave that there for now. Uh, DeLon Wright, four points and one rebound. Uh, that's some nice defensive, defensive bones on this game from DeLon. Um, one or two from the floor, two or two from the federal line. Kind of a quiet DeLon night, like not a huge, you know, make stuff happen kind of night for him. Um, I would say probably, you know, average night for him overall, but didn't have a, a huge plus factor either. I thought Okongwu had some nice moments in the first half once he started to come alive. In the second half as well, uh, played pretty well at times, had eight points and five assists. Second most on the team was not usually his his deal, but that's that was a sort of a good sign for his playmaking moving forward. Four rebounds, but only one defensive. Not Again, a kind of weakness there for Okongwu, but I think he was uh, effective when he sort of got more aggressive um, once he played. The first His first stint was not super uh, assertive, let's just say, but the rest of the game he was much better. Elsewhere, Bogdanovich was sort of a de facto starter, let's just say. Uh, he played 38 minutes off the bench, which is not something you usually see in the NBA, but he, he started the second half, which makes, makes it make more sense. And obviously with Hunter out, they had to lean on him heavily. This is a season-high game for Bogdanovich. 27 points, five rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block, plus 14 in a game the Hawks lost by four. Yeah, that speaks for itself. Uh, there's a little bit of noise in there, always with, with plus-minus single games, but uh, he was good. He was a huge plus for the Hawks. Uh, it's been something I've been talking about for a while, including last week with Ben and Glenn Willis on last on last Friday's show as well. But just as, as sort of a reminder, he's been much, much better since he came back from the injury about a month ago. Um, he's been in double figures, I think, 12 of the 13 games since then. Um, he has 20 plus, and I believe it is now four of the last five games. It's not only the scoring either. He's had just more juice on offense. Um, he was efficient in this game as well. Yeah, I mean, just a positive night for him, and I think it's just good to see him coming alive because, honestly, with the way that Trey played, they would have been lost without uh, Bogdanovich, and he, he kind of had to have it in this game. Of course, I know they lost anyway, but at the same time, he gave him a chance to win in a uh, in a real way. So, to the starters, DeAndre Hunter, again, left the game at halftime. I don't want to pile on. Maybe he was ill before this, which maybe contributed to some of this, but he was quite bad in the first half. I don't mean to pile on, but it's been a little bit of an extended slump. 400 people are always asking me what's going on with him. I don't have updates beyond the fact that he's just struggling. You know, there's questions about the wrist dating back to when he was injured, but I don't really know that he's been hampered by that in the recent past. I think defensively, it's a tough assignment to guard DeRozan, but he was really, really flambeed by DeRozan in this game. Offensively, he took a couple of pretty bad floaters, missed two threes, which is just that's, that's going to happen sometimes. But um, yeah, just a bad game overall. He was minus 13. I'll leave it there for now, let's just say. But I think he was uh, not his best. Um, Kevin Herter was just okay. Nine points, three rebounds, and an assist. And uh, was 4 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 5 from three. So didn't shoot it very well. I think defensively uh, did a pretty good job on Levine with the exception of the third quarter um, when he got off a little bit. But that's just going to happen to Zach Levine's really good. I thought Herter did a pretty incredible job defensively and at least was okay at offense. I thought uh, Gallinari was phenomenal. 26 points on 18 uh, shot attempts, four six from the free throw line as well. Nine rebounds. Uh, I thought Gallo, you know, one of his best games of the season, full stop. Uh, he had the huge stretch in the fourth quarter where he, he scored three straight times, mismatch hunting and all that stuff. I think the Hawks can be um, falling in love with that too much. 
And I think that was probably the case in this game. McMillan and I kind of just, just disagree on philosophy stuff there. Nate is much more into just digging into mismatches than I would than I would be with this roster. I think this is a roster that's proven to be dynamic when you just run high pick and roll and let Trey do Trey stuff, whereas the Hawks kind of like to like, go slow and grind it out. I don't love that, but Gallo was really good in that situation in this game. Like him him on uh, Io Desunmu and Kobe White was just not even fair. They had no chance to stop him in the post, in the mid post, all that stuff in this game. So Gallo was great. Uh, we'll leave that there. Um, Click Appella, I thought was very good. 14 points, 17 rebounds, uh, a, a game high by seven. He was dominant on the glass, both ends of the floor, actually. Offensively, offensively, six. Defensively, 11. He was the best rebounder in the, in the game by a lot. Also finished, uh, I believe, all seven of his, of his attempts were dunks. At least six of them were dunks, that's for sure. He was uh, efficient there, had two blocks. Um, I thought he started off slow, as everyone did in this game, but I thought once he settled in, he was electric and good and effective. And then Trey Young was bad. As I, as I referenced before, you know, 14 points, 10 assists. I think the assists were certainly earned. Um, his best stretch was that late first half stretch when it was him and Capella getting some groove together in the pick and roll. But uh, he was pressing a little bit. That's actually his words. After the game, he was only 3 of 12 on twos. That's the, that's when you know he's struggling a little bit. You know, three-point range, you're going you're gonna to go over 5 for some time, which, which happened in this game for Trey. But uh, the floater wasn't there. The finishing wasn't there. No, nothing was there for Trey except for getting the line. He got to the line 11 times, but even that, he was only 8 of 11, which is not bad for anybody else. But for Trey, he usually is going to make 9 or 10 out of those 11 shots. So a bad night at the office for Trey Young. It's going to happen. I will not be surprised if he bounces back on Saturday with a huge game against Toronto, but we'll see there. But, uh, you know, if he plays well in this game, the Hawks probably win. And uh, that's sort of the uh, the way this the cookie crumbles in the NBA. When your superstar doesn't, doesn't have it, you are fighting an uphill battle. And that was the case in this game. So with the loss, the Hawks are now 300-500. Uh, that's not where you want to be, obviously, with 23 games to go. Um, before the game tonight, our friends at Bet Online had the Hawks at plus 150 to make the playoffs, minus 180 to miss the playoffs. That's actually a uh, the top eight. But basically, the betting market, the projection systems, even before this loss, had an uphill battle for the Hawks to make the playoffs in terms of the top eight this season. And uh, clearly, when you lose, even a game that you're quote-unquote supposed to lose a, as an underdog on the road, that's not going to help your projections. So we'll leave that there. Bet Online also had the Hawks with 41 and a half wins as their projection. The ninth highest in the East. Um, this, this game doesn't like change that a ton, but it's still a game that they could have won. And um, also, with the loss, they now fall behind the Hornets in the standings, at least for right now. Charlotte returns to action on Friday. Well, the Hawks are now 10 and a half games behind the Bulls in the standings. They're in the sole possession of 10th. They are six games behind the Celtics with 23 to play for the sixth spot. So that's still going to be their goal. I'm sure they're going to say that over and over again. But um, realistically, the Hawks are just hoping to be in the top eight, I think, at this point. The Nets lost again because the Nets never win anymore until Kevin Durant comes back. That's a, that's a small pride spot. Is the Hawks only have two and a half games behind the Nets for the eighth seed, but a bad loss in terms of the context of it all. My final thought on the game itself was, you know, this is a game that you could argue both sides of. You could say, look, the Hawks fell behind early. They trailed much more often than, than they led in this game. They were down eight with five minutes to go, all that stuff. But you could also say they led with they led with three, by three with the ball, nine seconds to go, and then they just kind of gave it back. So it's not a quote-unquote traditional bad loss in my mind. Like That's reserved for the game against the Spurs when you're playing at home and you're supposed to win. And the Hawks were underdogs in this game. But this is exactly the kind of game the Hawks need, the Hawks need slash have to win in the second half of the season to get where they want to go, and they didn't win it. So 
it's one data point. This is not a game that I'm going to like rant and rave about, but it's one that they needed to get. And I'm sure they felt that frustration after the game. From here, the Hawks go back to Atlanta and they play the Raptors on Saturday. Toronto is 2-0 against the Hawks this season, which is not ideal if you are the Hawks. And the Hawks are, of course, looking up the Raptors in the standings. Toronto is uh, seven, games, seven games over 500, so they're five games ahead of the Hawks at this point. At home, the Hawks might be favored in that game, but uh, it'll be close. We'll see. We'll see on Collins. We'll see on Hunter, etc. But that's a tough game. Uh, no matter how, no matter where it is or what's going on, Toronto's going to play hard and play well. And then after that, it's pretty tough again for the Hawks. They go to they go to Boston, and then they play home for Chicago. So these first four games are a gauntlet. You're playing four playoff caliber teams: two on the road, two at home. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you go two and two in that stretch, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, three and one would have been great, but now you're now you're zero and one. So getting three in a row is a a tough ask, that's for sure. So that's enough on today's game. But uh, clearly, the Hawks had one that they could have stolen, and they didn't steal it, and that leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth, I'm sure. And uh, that'll be our last thought on the game today. Programming note for our next podcast: it probably will not be directly after the game. I usually record right after the game, um, no matter what happens. But it's a Saturday night game. I'm actually traveling out of state. This weekend, as part of the reason I made sure to have a full week of content on the feed despite the All-Star break, I kind of was planning on taking an All-Star break off, or at least kind of off, uh, maybe a couple of days off. But I basically did my all my normal shows during that time. I did a show on Friday. I did a show on Monday. I did, I did three shows this week. This is the fourth show of the week. So in place of that, I'm going to be a little bit delayed in having a podcast after the game on Saturday because of travel and video and logistics and all that fun stuff. So don't panic if, you're not, if I'm not there on Saturday night. I'll be watching when I can, how I can, and we'll have a new podcast Sunday or Monday, something like that. So the best way to find the podcast, no matter how you listen, no matter how you watch, is to subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And one more time on this podcast, I have been asked and encouraged to uh, blow it out and encourage people to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please find that, even if you are not a huge video podcast consumer, as I know I am not, I'm, I relate to you, I promise, but... In order to support this podcast, it really does help me a lot. If you don't plan to watch there, subscribing to the podcast really does wonders for me. So please go ahead and do that. Leave five-star ratings wherever you can do that. Leave reviews wherever you can do that. Follow us on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. We'll see you next time.